What's up and welcome to another episode of Black in the Maritimes. I'm Fidel and I'm here with a special guest. Uh, we actually work together. I met her at work. Uh, I think she's pretty bubbly and I'm, I think she's pretty funny too. Uh, so yeah, definitely a, a person to say, okay, I have to interview you because you, you're definitely somebody interesting. Uh, Shemaine, how you doing? Doing good. How you doing, Fidel? I'm doing good. You just told me what, three hours ago at work? Maybe two? Yeah. <laughs> no stuff life changes real quick real quick <laughs> yes real quick so uh okay let's just start by the beginning so when you see shemaine it's never an african name it's an american name with africanism on it like uh sharika uh the kishi and, uh, and all those stuff so tell people where are you from so i'm from north carolina in the united states durham north carolina so is North Carolina considered the deep south or just the south? I mean, I would say it's just the south. I wouldn't say the deep south. Like, we, we ain't as hard as Georgia and no Alabama or nothing, or Mississippi and all that. Like, we ain't P-Valley. <laughs> you see P-Valley, <laughs> yes. we ain't that. But, yeah, like, P-Valley is in, it was in Mississippi, right? And I say y'all. Yeah, uh, P-Valley is based in Mississippi. So we still have the um the slang and the country slang mixed with the AAVE. But and, you know, we still love our uh southern food, but we're not we're not um boiling peanuts south. Yeah, I didn't know Georgia was considered the deep south. Okay, I thought so Georgia is considered the like deep south. I feel like if you're in a small think... town in Georgia, it's definitely the deep south. Okay, cuz yeah, usually we think of Atlanta uh, as uh, in Georgia, we don't think anything else. But yes, you're you're absolutely <laughs> right. So yeah. you were born and raised in Durham, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So how was your childhood like as a in in North Carolina in the states? Well, I feel like any black woman growing up in the South in America, um, it's a bit complex. I sh I should say, like, uh, there's not one way for me to even like wrap up my childhood. I was raised by a single mother. Um, she had three kids. I was the youngest out of the three. Um, I grew up with some like medical issues, so like my my severe asthma and stuff, and um, like I had a surgery when I was three for GERD, like acid reflux. So um, it was really hard for her being a single mom and trying to take care of all of that. My brother and sister were just running crazy <laughs> in terms of just like not really behaving well in school. Like we're all pretty smart, but it's like they were, they were pretty bad kids. But I was like reading all the time. I was a little nerd. Uh, I mean, people really consider me a cornball from back home. Maybe they think I'm funny now. Maybe I've like up like leveled up or something but but I used to be considered a cornball like <laughs> you ever heard what a cornball is of course yeah yeah of course I know what a yeah. cornball is but yeah they say I'm, and, I'm corny I'm on the cob <laughs> but I mean like childhood as a as a dark-skinned young uh black woman 
in America. It was kind of hard though, to be honest. Like, and it's like, I don't know, probably as funny as I am now because it's like, you just got to learn how to smile and laugh. You know? But I mean, was it, because again, it was it hard just for you or was it hard to like, uh, like all the girls that were black within your area or was it just specifically because again we all know that we can't look at somebody else in the mirror we look ourselves in the mirror and we we check mm -hmm. that you know like things are hard for you but you, you mentioned two things you, you mentioned dark skin uh which mm -hmm. we're going to talk about that we're going to we're going to talk about colorism la later on uh mm -hmm. but you also talked about you know uh dark skin girl so Was it something that you think just happened to you or maybe your sister as well? Or 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 did you think well, that it just is especially to you? My sister's actually light skinned. So she didn't experience what I experienced. Like she's actually like she's closer to Lynn skin tone almost. Like she could she can definitely pass for like half white. Like you could think that my sister was half white, but she's like fully black. But she's just very lighter toned, yellow bone, as they would say. Um, but for other dark skinned girls, I definitely think that like a lot of us got the, uh, what is it, the shorter straw or whatever. Um, like, I feel like people like looked at us like there's, so there's this thing called slave mentality. And that's still a, still a thing in America and it's still a thing within the black community because it was really brainwashed into our ancestors and they out of fear brainwashed it into their children and so on. So the darker you are, the worse you're treated because that's how it was back in the slave times, you know, the lighter skin people got to be in the house and not on the fields and doing all the work. So it's like some some guys could look at dark skinned women like property. Some guys could look at dark skinned women depending on what your hair type is, like you're ambiguous and exotic. If your hair pattern, curl pattern is soft enough. Or um, you know, you could just be look like people think, you know, we're all ghetto and loud and just like dramatic for no reason because like, oh, you're you're exaggerating rather than we're being treated badly. You you get what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it's called the angry black woman complex or the angry black man complex that uh, people think, oh, why are you always mad or why are you always overreacting? And it's the reason because you you see that the, that you get treated differently for no reason. You're right. like, wait a minute, I, I, I do the exact same thing that everybody's doing. I'm, I'm not sure what the hell's going on. And then you go. So th there is a there 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 is a complex to that. And you're absolutely right now. You grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood or a predominantly white neighborhood. Oh, definitely predominantly black. <laughs> so from like, from uh, up when I was born up until nine, we stayed in the hood. Like, and I mean the projects, like it was the ghetto gates and somebody cut a hole through to go across the street to the corner store. Like, don't go to the bottom of the neighborhood because I can't see if you even got shot or something like that. Like, it was bad. It didn't seem bad as a kid because you're a kid, right? And it's like, oh, just exaggerating and stuff but it's like it was bad people said cars on fire one guy got out of prison went crazy start shooting her shooting the whole neighborhood up so we all hot and out like it, it was crazy so by the time I turned 10 my mom uh found a house to rent um 
it was across the street from another project, but we were on a street and the street coincidentally was named All Good Street. <laughs> and things <laughs> actually were pretty much all good. Like I had new friends, we could go outside. You didn't have to, she didn't have to be afraid for where we were at. Um, my mom, that is, and you know, so things got a little better there but then after that like we we kind of moved a bit after we got into the house phase but then once we got into this town home and it's really nice the first thing we got there was predominantly white but then like more black people started moving in because landlords were taking like section eight and stuff so that's like a housing voucher so they were taking that and um so it went from like whiter side really good neighborhood to kind of starting going down Cause sadly, that's just how it goes. But um, so for the majority of my upbringing, though, I would say a nice mixed culture. So, because well, the reason why I'm asking that is when you would talk about colorism and stuff with the black people, is it that it happens within the black community? Like it happens that black people uh, treat your colorism as a thing, which is which is kind of sad. I, 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 like I said that. It's kind of what you would call, like you said, slave mentality. It's kind of sad. But just to clear around that, this is a, something that happens within the Black people atmosphere. Uh, and it happens outside, too, but it, it also happens in that in that range, too. And it, it mainly happens at school. Was it at school that the thing like you started noticing? Or was it outside, uh, like, playing around in, in the neighborhood? Um, definitely more at school. Like, it's like, uh, if you have a crush on a guy and you're like, oh, you're so dark. I don't like dark girls or like, oh, we don't talk to dark girls. Or if you're going to like play and stuff and it's like, oh, what you playing hide and seek for? We can see you hiding anywhere. You're so dark and in the sun and stuff like that. So it's like, it definitely was a lonely time for me in school. Like, especially because it's like, not only was I a, or am I a dark skinned girl, <laughs> like, but I'm, I've always been pretty assertive and always like, you know, I didn't take no shit from people. So it's like, they, okay, she's dark and she's bossy. We really don't like her. Like we can't bully her or if we do bully her. It's more entertaining than it is like <laughs> hurting her feelings. So like it just pretty much put a target on my back. And then when I started um, really getting into reading and education and things, then I'm an Oreo. I'm an Oreo. I'm, I'm so black on the outside, for, for, white on the inside. <laughs> exactly. I was like, for people that don't understand that, please explain. <laughs> yeah. So they're basically saying I'm a white girl trapped in a black girl's body. My mom actually still sometimes says that to me this day. Like, she thinks it's a compliment. That's how, like, far back, like, that's really, like, delved into you because it's like being an educated black woman you must have a white woman inside of you to want uh, uh, tasting menu food and to read books and be educated on what's going on in the world and societies like you must be white in there or travel like a lot of people like when you want to go to yeah, or travel like, it's like oh you too good to stay down here like like luckily like my family has been really supportive in my move to Canada but when I first went to San Francisco and I was on the way to move there my family people were like you're not going you're gonna come right back you're gonna fail you're not gonna like it out there black women don't move out of their hometowns 
Like it's just like a lot of downing and stuff. But now that it's like this is my third place I've lived outside of Durham, North Carolina, people are really seeing like, wow, she really ain't afraid to go nowhere. <laughs> like, so I I put a little respect on my name. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so you you get the you get in the in school, you do high school and middle school and in in Durham, right? Yeah, for middle school, it was. It was very, uh, it was actually a lot of white people at that middle school. Like most white people I had ever seen at that point in my life. So it was like really different. I tried to be friends with them. And, you know, like I, I really didn't really gain on social cues that much because most of my elementary school, I was in and out the hospital. And so I really didn't make friends like that. Then I'm like, okay, new school, new people. Let's make some friends. Didn't realize that, you know, it's kind of clicked out with the races kind of like yeah of course it's an integrated school but like you never really seen like interracial friends and stuff like that unless like the friend was Mexican and then there are other black girls and stuff like that but that's as far as it went like it's, it was rare that you would see white friends and black friends be together unless they're on the like cheerleading team and there's like maybe two black girls on the cheerleading team um so yeah my middle school was definitely, but it was like also dangerous, right? It's America. We got sheriffs on almost each hall in the school. So like people, they bring the dogs to check the lockers. These sheriffs have like guns, right? To like, just in case some stuff pop off at the school. So, but like that, for some reason, like it's like it became normal because that's sadly how it was. Luckily, I didn't have to go through no school shootings or nothing like that, but it was pretty pretty crazy and that's like a thing in the state like like we don't have that in canada like there's like like they prepare you for mass shootings and like they have police and it's it's quite crazy like it, we see it here like you know but it's quite crazy when you have to you know orientate the kids about what to do if there's a mass shooting and have right. cops around and shit like right. that. It's, it's well, crazy. when I was in middle school, we didn't have mass shootings as much yet. There was more so riots, fights, and kids selling drugs, but uh, not the we had we hadn't had the shooting stuff just yet. But that's also when they like covered that on the grassy and stuff around that time. I think the mass shooting started more so when um, I was in high school. But I Wait, so you guys knew about the grassy? Like, that's a really oh, Canadian show. Oh, the grassy show. was popping down there. That's how everybody know who the hell Drake was. We like, Jimmy rapping now? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. Uh, the grass is a very Canadian thing. We're like, uh, you know what? The, the funny thing is that I... I I worked for a festival in the summer and one of the DJs was part of the Degrassi. Uh, she was for 11 seasons. She knows Drake. She was in that. And I'm like, wow, like this is she's like, oh, yeah, like people still she's on camera. There. People still recognize me for that show and stuff. I'm like, wow, that's yeah, that's crazy. quite interesting. Yeah, no, we love the grassy down there. There's a whole like channel dedicated to it on our smart TV. I'm like, oh, shit, now. Oh, yeah. we wow, love the that's <laughs> that that's crazy. So so okay. So that was middle school. How was high school though? High school, I actually wanted to go to a different school than my brother because he was only a grade ahead of me. And everywhere I went, are you so and so's little sister? You so and so little sister? And I'm like, no, I'm Shemaine. Like I literally been correcting people on my name my whole life. 
Like, if it ain't the teacher, it's the students. And it's like, I have a name. This girl has a name. Little sister has a name. I'm Shemaine. So I went to early college high school, Josephine Dobbs Clement Early College High School. That is the whole name of that school. And it was actually an accelerated high school. So we did like, so, you know, ninth grade or a grade usually takes place in a full school year, like two semesters. But for early college, you do that whole year in one semester. So I did ninth grade from fall to winter. And then we went on Christmas break. And after Christmas break, we did the 10th grade, summer break, 11th grade, winter break, 12th. And then the next two years, I'm taking college courses. Oh, wow. So how, when did you finish high school? At what age? I was actually 17. Well, technically high school courses, I was 15 when I finished high school courses. And I was in my first college course by the age of 16. And what did what college courses that you took? Like what would what did you want uh, to major? Well, actually, in? let me start. Let me not say college. I forgot this is Canada, and y'all say uh differently. They were university level courses, okay? Like <laughs> university. So, and I know there's a difference here, so I want to clarify that. Um, university level courses, and I'm talking uh university algebra one, university algebra two. I actually placed out of algebra one, so I went straight to algebra two. Um, university English literature, of course, health, like my high school health courses were <laughs> university health courses. So you definitely learning more than your average high, school, high schooler about that. Um, of course, like gym, your basics, and as well as whatever your extracurriculars are, but we definitely, I took university Spanish. Um, there you actually get to learn about like more about the culture, so I learned how like places in South America got um like whitewashed down there as well. Um colonization everywhere out this mug, you know. <laughs> so uh yeah, like I mean any course you really wanted to take, you could take, but I just went ahead and did all of my core classes and science classes. So by the time I graduated high school, high school quotation marks. Um, I had, I could have basically had an associate's degree. It was a high school diploma, but I had enough college credits for an associate degree or university credits. Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. So that, that, that's pretty cool. So you finish high school and you decide you want to leave North Carolina. What, what, why the change? What was it that you said? I got to get the, the hell out of here. Well, it actually took me a little longer than that because I did go to Winston-Salem State University for a year and then I transferred to NCCU and changed my major there to um, Family and Consumer Sciences. So I got my Bachelor's of Science in that and then I, my concentration was apparel and textiles. That's fashion for a lot of people who don't know. Um, but we learned like merchandising, construction, pattern making, tailoring, alteration. You really get an intense course for that. And I went to San Francisco because I wanted to go to art school. I tried out art school and I only I did only stay in San Francisco for 
the first semester, it was much too rough out there for me <laughs> in terms of pricing and food. Like it was just overly expensive. And in my opinion, the flavors of the food, unless you're in Chinatown, was not all that great. So you last a year in in San Francisco, is that correct? No, just like about five or six months. Five or six months, my uncle died at the end of the, of the semester, uh, my mom's brother. And that really hit me hard. And um, I was already having a rough semester in a new place that was that's now the most expensive city in the United States. Um, and it just wasn't what I thought it would be out there. Uh, there was barely you. I barely saw any black people at all. Um, like not that I have anything against other races, but it's like, you know, you just need to see at least some of your people. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's called Oakland, which is in the other side. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely had to take that long ride over there. So, and it's like, as a university student or grad student who wasn't working, like I wasn't working. So it's like all my money went to school supplies and like fabrics and markers and all of that stuff. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> Like $3,000 flew by in a couple months from school supplies. And it was crazy. Like, I'm on Medicare. Who stands for the, because uh, I'm a student. So it's like, I'm not coming out my pockets for this expensive food, you know? And owing that student loan money, that sweet, sweet student loan money that you got to pay back. I owe so much student loans. Let's see if I get it. <laughs> But no, <laughs> and I'm like I, I literally do the pay as you earn, and it's like I'm still not earning enough to pay anything. So, <laughs> uh, so okay, so you, you got out of San Francisco. You went back to Durham. Yes. And I what do you do there when you go back? So I went back to Durham in 2017, and I stayed there till 2019. So I just went back to work at a hotel job. I had, I was a front desk agent. I got that job back. I went to esthetician school because <laughs> I, I just love school. I love learning things. Well, she wanted me to go for cosmetology because she wanted me to do her hair. She's like, you do hair so nice. You should go to cosmetology school. I went there with all intentions of joining cosmetology school at Aveda Institute, Chapel Hill. But the class was booked up and they were like, oh, we have esthetician school. And I'm like, I have some pretty nice skin and I'm interested in you know skin and like you can learn hair removal lash extensions and all of that stuff so I ended up enrolling in that instead and then I also thought I'm like, I don't want to do my mom hair all the time she's a picky uh client like she'll come back the next two weeks like oh you need to do it again you did it wrong when she really just been like playing with her hair too much <laughs> I love my mom but she, she is that person <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, I stayed there and, and I got my certificate. I got my license. Um, I tried to start my own like esthetician, traveling esthetician business. It didn't work out so well. Sadly, when you try to do something in your hometown and a lot of other people are on the same wave, people rather support people who are popular than people who actually have skills. It's a very weird system but that's kind of how it went. Like you, I would see people going to the most popular person and she's overcharging and 
they're like, oh, my lashes are all on my pillow the next morning. And it's like, I, I have like the best glue in the area and lashes, like real mink lashes, silk lashes. And it's like, nobody would give me time of day, but some of my mom's friends. And it happens. I think, I think what, uh, I, I don't necessarily say it's popularity, which it is, but I think it's all marketing. Cause it's like, I, I say the best example I say in, in hip hop, Jay-Z, he's not the best rapper he, by any means. He's not the best rapper. Uh, he has good song, but he was able to market himself as the best rapper. And when you market yourself as the best rapper, as the then people eventually are going to believe it. That's 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 how it goes. Uh, right. If you if you market yourself as something and you're persistent and consistent in doing it, eventually it will pay it off. So even probably that's what people say, like, why? Why are you not like you? You're better. I'm better. But they're like, OK, but you're not the most known. You're, you didn't build the the brand or whatever they want to call it. So I can definitely understand right. that that happens. That happens a lot, especially in in things like like statisticians and uh, brands and uh, you know things that you might be able to you can see the quality but you want to show it off and and sometimes the name is like oh you can get a I think Russell Simmons said it like you could get uh, uh, a scarf in India that is uniquely made it's only made for you nobody has the same one it's unique for maybe ten dollars but you want to get the Gucci one which is you know, mass produce, it's not mm -hmm. unique, but you'll get it for $500 because it has a logo that says Gucci. And it's like, well, wait a minute, this is, this is original. This is new. Nobody has this, but, but it's not Gucci. That's, right. that's usually how it, yeah. Yeah. So, so definitely that's, that's, how. so you do the business, you do that. And, and then you start work and I know you eventually moved to New York city. Yes, in 2019, I moved to New York City because I, I finished my estheticians uh, schooling and licensing around late 2018. And um, yeah, so 2019, I moved to New York City. And I was hoping I would start my esthetician stuff there, but I went on a whole nother path of just like living life, being free. I really loved the New York life. It was... Uh, very nice to uh, see such a diverse crowd and people wearing whatever the hell they wanted and makeup how you want hair how you want nobody has a thing to say or a care in the world for what you got on or what you're doing <laughs> like but it's like in the best way not in the like you know you feeling judged like nobody's judging you in New York you just can be yourself and I feel like I gained my best energy out there in New York. So what was your first thought when have you been to New York before or was it the first time you went when you just no, moved it was the there? first time I went. I seem to have a habit of uh moving to places for uh the first time I visit. <laughs> so what was your first thought when you when you landed in New York? What was the first thought that when you like I was when like, you got there? It's dirty. <laughs> <laughs> After that, it was like, oh no, I had that like, you know, that like vignette filter where everything's like hazy and romantic looking and stuff like that. That's kind of how it was when I first got there. It's like I'm sleeping on my friend's couch, waiting until my apartment is ready for me to move in. And his cats are fighting at like four in the morning, but I'm still waking up like, 
ah, New York. <laughs> like, it's really like kind of like the shows and movies. It's like everything is like crap all around you, but you're just like, yeah, this is my place. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Something magical, like, you know, you can get a very delicious ass sandwich on every corner, you know, at any time at a bodega. And it's just like the nightlife is so fun. Yeah, there's no place that again. There's definitely some people say London is like that, but I, I I don't know. New York is is a particular place. It's not what you say. You can make it there. You can make it anywhere. It's no joke. Like it's right. It's so diverse. There's so many people, and there's so many people doing different stuff that you're like, if you could do that there and be successful, I think you could do it any other place because it's so hard to do anything there and get noticed because. Nobody right. cares. There's a thousand people doing the same thing that you are, and there and and, and it's just have too much shit. It's happening, right? To, to, for people to be doing other, to people to care. So, so okay. So, you are in New York, and this is the beginning to your Canadian journey. <laughs> Let's just say, yeah, pretty much. It really is because I was there. I was there for a good time and not a long time. <laughs> Little did I know. <laughs> so I mean, so, I, I like working. What's up? So tell me, how did that Canadian journey start? Oh, so I met my husband, Adrian, um, in a underground smoke lounge at the time. So like, this is like a place you go in an elevator outside the building and you go in this like service elevator, you go up a few floors and you come out the other side. It's a whole like lounge, like it would be a club, but it's a lounge. It has a dispensary on one side and a smoking area right there on the other side, like huge giant Jenga music playing DJ in the back. They got the smoke filters for that smell to get out of there. So it's not like too smoky in the room. It's like real relaxed and lots of like couches and stuff. And I honestly thought I was on my way to a smoke out. Like, you know, like a smoke out of a friend's place. Like, you all sitting on the, in the living room on a couch, just smoking some weed, like, matching and stuff. Like, Pat, like you roll one, I roll one, we pass it. That's what matching is for those who don't know. But, um, yeah, so, and he happened to be sitting, like, across, kind of diagonal to the right, right under a TV across from me. So, and I see him. Cause I'm, I'm like, at this point it winds up, I'm wing woman in it for my friend who I just met that night. Cause this is New York. <laughs> so I just met this woman that night and she's like, yeah, I'm talking to an old guy. I know whatever you be with his friend, friend didn't like me. Cause I had green lipstick on and that really apparently bothered him. Cause it's like, oh, she looks good, but she need to take the lipstick off. And it's like, sir, I don't even know you and you not cute. So whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I'll just sit here and take this free weed. <laughs> and then he was like, he just was like all over the place. So that just left me more room to stare at Adrian all night. <laughs> and finally, by the end of the night, I was encouraged to go and ask him for his number. So I did. And he was like, oh, my God, yes. He put out his phone. Uh, and I put out mine, and he gave me his number. And he was like, now call it. And I called it because, you know, he wanted to know it's real. So we made sure we actually got each other's number. And we're texting for five nights straight. Went on a date that fifth night. 
on Thursday night. So we met on a Saturday, went out on a date Thursday. And um it was it was over from there. We we've been together ever since. <laughs> so did you guys move in together? What happened? Like like or you guys so, were in different apartments? So yeah, of course. Like he was living in he was living in New York before, but he just recently moved to Jersey City and he worked in northern New Jersey at this like medical device company, super stressful. But um so no, he was living in Jersey. I was living in uh basically on the edge of I'm on the edge of Bushwick, right at Ridgewood, close to Queens. And um so no, it was a lot of it was a lot of traveling in the beginning. Like I would take the train and the uh light rail to him because it's like I'm in this little matchbox room in an apartment with three, four other roommates. So it's like there's no place to try to uh, you know cuddle up and be romantic. So I'm going to him in his place, much more room, much more space, better views, all that good stuff, like more peaceful and time to get to know each other and spend time. So uh, when COVID came is really when we like we moved in together uh, and it just like happened. It wasn't really planned or anything like that. COVID, like we knew COVID was coming and our job sent us home on the same day. And he's like, all right, pack your things. I'm coming to get you. I want you to be safe. You know, we all know how long this thing is going to last. And it turns out COVID, at least the like the super hard part of COVID in America, like those first two years, 2020, 2021. Well, 20, sorry, yeah, 2020, we were there in New York. So I went to Jersey City with him and we stayed there till August. And then he decided he wanted to move back to Canada and asked me to come with him. And I'm like, of course, like, I'd love to come to Canada with you. Like, I have no, I don't have kids. You know, I'm not tied. I wasn't tied to America. I was already pretty far away from my family. And it's like, we can stay in contact. Like, that's no big deal for me. Um, so it's like, shit, fuck it, let's go to Canada. <laughs> let's see what that's all about. <laughs> so okay, so you 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 get into Canada because of the, you you get married because the you guys got yeah, married. We got married before we got married that September, and um, we moved to Canada in November. So we got married. So you guys in because the law was to get married on Zoom or like online because the COVID restrictions at the time. Adrian, if you hear this podcast, you need to do the wedding. You got you got to <laughs> do the wedding, man. No, no, let's go. Let's wait till he hears it. Let's wait till he hears it. Anyways, uh, all right. So you guys land in Toronto. Is that correct? Yes. Well, we landed in Ontario, Hamilton. So we drove, right? So my first time coming into Canada, I drove into Canada following behind a U-Haul that Adrian was driving because all our stuff's in the U-Haul and I'm driving the Focus right behind that. <laughs> oh, wow. So so you got the the woods, the 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 woods, the the whole shebang of Canada. like Oh, yeah. All so, these roads full of trees and stuff that people are like, what the hell? Uh, How actually, these trees? coming into through Hamilton, like that way, you can come right in on the QEW. Oh, okay. So you see the city. Yeah, it's like an industrial so place. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's what that's what I say to you. This is so. Before you came to Canada, what did you knew about Canada? Not a damn thing. 
I knew Ontario. <laughs> I knew Toronto. I knew Drake in the weekend and Justin Bieber. <laughs> I didn't even know Celine Dion was from here. <laughs> <laughs> My friend said, what are you going to do for vitamin D up there? <laughs> she said, you know, it ain't no sun rising. <laughs> I'm like, girl, she's from Texas. <laughs> so, oh, wow. <laughs> okay, so so you didn't hear anything about Canada. So when you come to Canada, you come to Ontario, which is where the biggest population is. What are your first impressions about Canada? I was like, damn, this highway is clean as hell. Like it was like clean and neat and stuff. Now, first, of course, crossing through the border, and we were there for fucking two hours. Them asking us hella questions, but okay, that's their job, whatever. Um, but yeah, the highway, I'm like, Jesus, this should have been. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? 110 thinking miles per hour. <laughs> but it's really kilometers, right? And I'm not even realizing we're on a whole nother fucking metric system. Or we're on the metric system and America is still stuck on Imperial out this bitch. So I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like trying to look at the fucking damn speedometer and it's all a little like we still have the American miles per hour speedometer thing reading thing so it's like it's still like the kilometers is in red and smaller so I'm like really trying to look but it's like I'm following him so it's like it don't even matter what speed I'm going I just need to stay behind him <laughs> and it was starting getting dark and I'm like oh my gosh but I, I really think that like it looks it looked like the nature is better I will say, or at least coming from New York and North Carolina, I they're about hand in hand. But it's so funny because I remember Adrian asking me, like, does it look different? And I'm like looking around and he's like, no, it don't do it. <laughs> it really don't. It really don't look that much different, to be honest. Like nicer neighborhoods, of course, like more nice neighborhoods. But that's just like the areas we've been to. Right. So. But I think one of the things that I, I tell people, like when you go to Toronto or Hamilton or that area, you're not you're in Canada, but you're not seeing the real Canada. It's when you go to places like Peterborough, Niagara, Moncton. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's when yeah, you, I went to that's Niagara start... and it's like, what in the 1972? <laughs> That's like, where you see so Canada. Old everywhere. I remember when I went to my first clinic here, and I'm like, "Where's all the technology?" <laughs> so that was pretty surprising yeah. to me. And I'm like, "Oh, so free means less." <laughs> that's how I how I see it. But that's sadly that American mindset, and like coming from Durham, where Duke University and hospital is, you kind of get spoiled with all of that. Uh, Ivy League private school stuff. So yeah, like like my friend used to work for uh Kaiser Permanente, and he he just went and he says like, dude, he he's Canadian, uh, and he's like, dude, the technology here is crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is super crazy. Like somebody did like they like did a checkup and put the old blood pressure thing on my arm, like pumping it out their hand. I'm like. Cause down south, like they have the machines where they just squeeze it up for you and push the air in there, and then it goes down on its own. Like, and if you flex, it goes right back up. Well, like, oh no, you were going to a raggedy ass place. We we got the machines here too. Like, come on now. 
<laughs> look, look, I don't know the FA is a little just how Americans say it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, 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 we got the we got the machine deer and stuff. So we 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 ain't, we ain't that bad, but <laughs> okay. So you you live in Hamilton. That's where you settle first. You'll settle in Hamilton. Yes, just for a couple months, for four months, and then we move right to New Brunswick after that. Okay, so you go from an a city. So Hamilton is a city. Has a to Moncton, New Brunswick. Did you drive here, or did you came on a? We drove. <laughs> Adrian drove. I said, I ain't doing that drive, buddy. <laughs> I did enough driving in America. <laughs> Okay, so what was the thinking of going to, to coming to Atlantic Canada? Well, Adrian is from Ontario, so he's pretty much, he feels like he's seen it all there. So it's boring to him now. And um, Quebec, he's lived there and I don't speak any French. And he didn't want to try to immerse me like that, which I appreciate. And uh I tried to look up where all the black people at. It's really some hard research to do, but now I have figured out they're all in Alberta, but he definitely won't go in there. Uh, <laughs> and BC was sounded just like the research that I was seeing was just a little too white. So Atlantic Canada it is. I'm like, well, I'm from the Atlantic. Might as well go back to the Atlantic. <laughs> so I did some research yep. and saw what was a good city to move to out here and wound up in Moncton. Yeah, Moncton. Moncton is one of the growingest city, and it's a it's a good place. It's still, it, it has come up because of uh, people like you and Adrian moving here and putting all this shit expensive. So uh -uh, <laughs> it's coming it here. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> look, we ain't so, in the house bidding wars. We're in an apartment. We're not bidding on uh twice the price for homes and shit. <laughs> All right, but anyway, so but yeah, it's it's funny. But Halifax, I say, Halifax is a big, big thriving and vibing black community. It's definitely, it's definitely better. Oh yeah, we definitely looked at Halifax, but they didn't have any apartments that we liked out there. Yeah, it's yeah. expensive. It's way more expensive than than than. It's Moncton, way more so. expensive, and they didn't have like some of the amenities that we were looking for. Okay, so you you get in Moncton, New Brunswick. Now mm -hmm. you're in the real Canada now. Like you're you're oh, in the, yeah. you're in the real deal now. <laughs> yeah. What and are I your thoughts when you come to Moncton? <laughs> There's an S on the end of every damn sentence. <laughs> Where they say A, like that's that's oh, that's yeah, the place. they definitely go A. They're like, oh, it's pretty pretty good out today. <laughs> mostly you mostly get it when they're pretty excited. Some of them when they're pretty excited, and I don't know. I feel like it's really wholesome compared to where I grew up. It's like really wholesome. But I know I haven't really been out much and around some people because it's like, you know, if I talk to some certain other people, they're going to be like, I don't know about all of that. <laughs> but it's like, I feel like in the adult life, not really too wholesome, but like for the people, the kids and the teenagers, which I think is a good thing. Like it's pretty, it's pretty wholesome. It's a good place. If you have kids, it's a good place to raise your your kids and uh like they have a place for them now, i don't i don't know about people of color children because i haven't met any people <laughs> of color children other than my friend janelle's son and he's pretty quiet so but um yeah i mean i think moncton is like beautiful i found peace out here 
I found like a softer life, shall we say. And I'm actually like loving it. I can be myself and have a good time. Yeah, we definitely like when I saw you, it's like, oh, wow, that is pretty, <laughs> that, that, that is pretty cool what you say. So, okay, so you land here and, you know, you like you, you were talking about, you know, the colorism and the things like that in the States. What's the difference between like the, the racism in the States than and the racism in, in Canada? What did, what did you think? Um, I definitely would say uh, in the States, it's more in your face. Like, people are going to say what's on their mind. They don't care if you hear. They don't care if you see or whatever. Here in Canada, it's more microaggressions. Like, so it's like, you know, it takes you a moment to catch it. Like, you can have a full-blown conversation with somebody, get home, and think about the convo for a bit. And I'm like, hold the fuck up. <laughs> like, you know, like because it's like they're so nice and smiley. You barely, you barely like are paying attention to what the fuck you're saying. And then I honestly feel like the microaggressions, in my opinion, are worse because it's like it really gets into your psyche. Like you think about that shit all day. Like for me, I, I rather I rather know like you don't like me, like rather than gotta be worried about you coming for like everyday microaggression attacks and shit. Because <laughs> like, it's like it's really uncomfortable. Yeah, especially when you feel it, like you feel it, like when you're the only black person in the room and mm -hmm. people are talking to you and you feel you feel like the uncomfortness in it. And they mm -hmm. said see, they say that like, oh, and you're like, OK, right. and, and it's like and it, to some places like again, and this is something that uh, we like when you try to talk about things with another black person, like, they start feeling uncomfortable. Mm hmm. That's yeah. that's that's the thing. Like they start feeling uncomfortable when you're talking to another black person about like either things that happen to black people or black people. Like they start feeling like, ooh, okay, uh, uh, like, uh, like, okay, but I'm I'm white, so I can't say any. Like again, it, it's kind <laughs> right. of weird. Like they have like no no commentary to make because it's like they don't really have anything actually positive to say other than wanting to defend whatever white counterpart it is that's like under attack shall we say and they and they <laughs> and the thing about it is like you're you're talking about something i don't know you could be talking about i don't know geometry or or you know the horoscope and right. they eventually come to the color of your skin for no reason or your hair texture for no reason yes. and you're like what the fuck does that have to do with anything anything <laughs> like they they go back to that and you're like what the fuck like like we were talking about <laughs> Why did you have to go even there? Like, dude, like what what the hell? But yeah, it's just like really like they throw it out random. I don't know if they think they're like trying to like they're being slick with it. Or, but it's like, you know, it's just so random, or it's just like always the random, oh, your skin is so smooth and beautiful comment. Like, like, you know. It's a, especially saying, hey, you're black. <laughs> right. <laughs> Or it's like, for me, it's like when I meet like an older white lady sometimes out here and like she'd be trying to compliment my hair and like, I'm standing far, I know to stand far away from people enough now, nowadays, because like they start reaching. They're like, oh, so nice. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like leaning back. Like, oh, thank you. I, I like it myself too. <laughs> like, so... 
like, and I always say to a white woman who wants to touch a black woman's hair, and I'm like, do you touch your white friend's hair? Do you, do you ask to touch their hair? And they like, what? No. Then why do you want to touch mine? <laughs> you, you know what the funny thing is, especially here in, in it, because we're like a bilingual province. Mm -hmm. Uh when they like I'm I'm Hispanic, so uh like so when people are speaking French, we aren't saying anything. We're cool. Right. Nobody's sick. But we're speaking another language, people already start to feel what uncomfortable. What, what's going on? It's just like we're like, you I don't understand French. I don't care, but you care when I'm when I'm speaking Spanish, like 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 why? <laughs> But but again, it's only but it only it only bothers them when they see that you're not white. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. It's like you don't look like us and you're speaking another language, you must be plotting. <laughs> yeah, so something like that. You're like, oh, like I'm like, and, and it doesn't happen to me. And again, I seen people speak in Arabic and I'm like, eh, whatever. And the white people are like looking. Yeah. I'm like, and I and I just watch it. I'm like, what the fuck are you looking at? And like, like I'm in the line. I'm like, just stop. <laughs> but yeah. you can say anything because you're like, okay, like it's, it's right. But, but it's definitely yeah. <laughs> well, not even that, not even that. I think I think that eventually we will get Moncton's growing, so it eventually is going to grow to to a city that is going to be like okay, like people are not going to care as much, uh, mm -hmm. just because of the fact that you know we're too many and people will be like, what the fuck? Like I can I can tell you here, but I've been here for ten years. Actually, 10, 12, I don't know. I don't even remember at this point, like 10 or 11 <laughs> years in Moncton. Uh, something like that. Anyways, the fact is, is that today I get, I, I don't know, six years ago or five years ago, before the pandemic, I used to just come and it was six o'clock or four o'clock or, or, you know, and I used to cruise around the main highway. It only took you two minutes to get out from the main highway to now I, I was today and it was like easily 35 minutes, 40 minutes because it was full of cars. Dang. So you can see that the city, that, that the city's growing and growing. So eventually it's going to come to a point that there's going to be more diversity and you're just going to have to live with it. You know, it is what it is because unfortunately we need it. So, so I, I do feel you when it comes to those microaggressions because people are, people are subtle. They're not direct. Uh, sometimes right. it sometimes it's even unintentional because some people here have never had a talk with a black person ever. Right. Oh, most definitely. And it shows like we go eat at like Recite or uh, St. James Gate or like a restaurant, me and my husband and like I'm laughing and talking, you know, I have a pretty boisterous laugh um, and or we're talking and they're looking at me like, like just, just like very curious, very like, what is she? Where does she come from? Where is she from? Where is that? Like, da 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 da. Like even like, I mean, I honestly have gotten looks like once I start speaking like from like even African people, like they'll look at me like, where are you from? Like, like what accent is that? <laughs> like, what what country in Africa are you from? And it's like, this ain't London like, or South Africa, so you can't, you don't speak like that, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> so it's like I've been in, in at Cassie and a guy's like, what part of Africa, what country? I'm like, I'm from America. He's like, well, but what country in Africa though? And I'm like, 
all of them. Because, <laughs> like, my country <laughs> and me has, like, all of the countries other than the top four of Africa, other than the top four countries, like, at the very top of Africa, I have all the other DNA, including South Africa. And so it's like, listen, some people really do not know that there are generations of Black people in America. Like, they don't know it's a thing. And I find it really strange. Because I'm well, like, oh, you it, 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 to it, us. <laughs> if you say that by yourself, imagine somebody that is Canadian, that's Black Canadian, that they're like 10th, 5th, 8th, ninth generation Canadian that they're all black. Like, mm -hmm. if you go to Halifax and they come like, where are you from? Halifax? No, where are you really from? Halifax. Where's your grandmother from? Halifax. No, no, where are your descendants? Halifax. Like, that's it. That that this, We, we never, we would have been out anywhere else. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, Africa in the 1600s probably, but that's it. Right. It's like, but, you, but yeah, you know like, some of the first loyalists was black folks, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole well, other yeah. subject <laughs> but yeah people people here it, it's definitely it, it's definitely like that so when you got here you you didn't have your pr yet so what did you do in all this free time that you had hang's head uh <laughs> i had like two years pretty much two years of just sitting around first I was kind of like tantrum because I had a really hard time adjusting. And I'm like, you don't see all this white shit going on. We out here in Whiteyville and they all looking at me crazy. And that, so I finally calmed down for that after about eight months in New Brunswick and <laughs> kind of calmed down because I started, I finally started making friends and stuff like that. But, um, I just developed my hobbies. I started working on myself, to be honest. It's like, I'm going to go crazy trying to be worried about all these other people and them looking at me and, you know, me not seeing, finding other Black people when I feel like I need to find them. I'm like, fuck it, let's work on me. Let's try to live this soft life everybody's talking about. I ain't got to be rough and tough all the time. And, you know, so I'm like, let's be happier. Let's be healthier. Like, I work on my mental health. I started baking and um cooking like I did them good food boxes and learned some pretty good cooking skills and now I can probably make almost any sauce in the world <laughs> I'm a very I'm a I'm a sauce girl and I worked on my sewing and I started painting and doing my hair and I locked up uh that's a, I put locks in my hair I don't like to say dreadlocks some people still do and that's okay for y'all but for me I like to say locks but um so yeah and I've been locked up for seven months so like I, I mean I just really spent most of that time developing myself and spending time with my husband enjoying him and you know we are developing our marriage as we go because I feel like every married couple should always be working on their marriage it shouldn't be when you think shit is going down it's like this is a everyday thing you guys <laughs> like you love each other actively every day love is a verb not an adjective <laughs> that that is right I, I do agree with you so this is your second Christmas here is it going to be this will be technically my third Christmas in Canada second in New Brunswick because we came November 5th, 2020. 
So tell me a difference about a, a Canadian Christmas and a, an American Christmas that you can tell. Um, as much as I could say, like out in the public areas and the workplace, there's much more like Christian Christmas decorations everywhere, you know, in the Santa Claus and you see a bunch of mangers and Noel this and Noel that. Here and there and in America, everybody's so worried about getting sued that you just see generic happy holidays down there <laughs> rather than Merry Christmas because nobody wants a religious lawsuit. So it's like you want to try to include everybody. So it's more so happy holidays. You can still do like Christmas colors like red, green and uh, what's that, white. But so you put like stars and stuff, but you are not going to see these angels. Like I think that they're they're beautiful, but <laughs> you're not going to see angels and stuff and all of that. But I haven't spent time with other people other than Adrian around Christmas in Canada. So I, I wouldn't know how other people really do it. Well, it, it's basically a lot of like meals, but with no seasoning. So that's that's the best <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> Uh, anyways, <laughs> it, it it is what it is, but it, it, anyways, uh, I'm not gonna take that much of your time because I know uh, we we work. So right. this podcast <laughs> is not maintaining me yet. So please donate on PayPal and Patreon and help me support so I don't have to work anymore and just do this full time. But until that happens, we gotta work. So before I let <laughs> you go, uh, I would ask you one last question. Uh, how does it feel to be black in the Maritimes? Um. All I can say is I'm black and I'm proud. Like, there's there's not much else to even say. I'm black and I'm proud and I'm here to represent and take up space. All right. Okay. So, uh, Shemaine, thank you for doing this. This was really fun. I think this is, I'll be honest with you, this is the best way to do the last podcast of the year <laughs> i think it's the it's the best way that we could end it up. This was very, very fun. So, awesome. uh, we'll definitely have Shemaine is we'll definitely have Shemaine back uh, and, and the other people back that definitely is gonna be kind of fun. So we're gonna we're gonna try to do something like that next year. So uh please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh thank you for everybody that donates on PayPal and Patreon. We really appreciate it. Uh it means a lot to us, and we're coming up with great stuff next year because of you, because of that. And you know, peace out. All right. <laughs>